A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, Prepare something for me to eat. Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. In the ancient Middle Eastern world, every family, even relatively poor ones, had at least one servant. The very poorest families gave some of their children to other families as servants to ensure that they would be fed. The master in this parable apparently has only one servant, who both tends the fields and does the cooking. The thrust of the story is clear and straightforward. Good servants do what they are told. A master never has to thank a servant for doing what was expected. Jesus' suggestion that we should say we are unprofitable servants, we have done what we are obliged to do, doesn't sit all that well with us. Literally, the Greek adjective means without need. The New English Bible captures this sense in its rendition, we are servants and deserve no credit. So we should be called do-nothing servants pun intended, which may reflect Jesus' own sense of humor. While this servant clearly is not a do-nothing person, it's also clear that a servant is do-nothing for services rendered. There's an old saying that we should pray as if everything depends on God, and work as if everything depends on you. What happens if we turn that around? Pray as if everything depends on you. Work as if everything depends on God. It also puts our work in the right perspective. We can work hard, but leave the outcome up to God. This may be closer to what Jesus is saying to us in today's gospel. All I asked of you was to do what was in front of you each day, and to do it as best you could. I'll handle the great accomplishments. I can work through you in ways you don't even know. The disciples in today's gospel want Jesus to fix things by giving them more faith. That's exactly what the prophet Habakkuk wanted. He was praying that God will intervene and put an end to the distress he sees all around him. God has an interesting response. Change the channel. Put a different image on the screen. What you see is what you get. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. 
It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Jesus gives the same response to his disciples. They already have faith enough to transform something that seems utterly immovable. A mustard seed, by contrast, is tiny, but the plant spreads like wildfire. It is also nearly impossible to eradicate. Paul reminds us that it only takes a tiny spark. I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God bestowed on you when my hands were laid on you. The spirit God has given us is no cowardly spirit but rather one that makes us strong, loving, and wise. This is where we start, with God's vision for the world. It's God's work that is entrusted to us. October 1st is the feast of St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower. For Therese, the most important thing you or I can do for the world is to break our own selfishness, and to break open inside of ourselves the divine energies of selfless love and forgiveness. Therese called this simple, childlike path her little way. It's a spirituality of imperfection. Holiness, she insists, is within the reach of anyone willing to do God's will in love at each successive moment as life unfolds. Our Lord does not so much look at the greatness of our actions, she writes, or even their difficulty, as the love with which we do them. The occasion to do great deeds, after all, may never come to pass, or when it does, it may find us wanting in courage. Small deeds, on the other hand, are everywhere, and when done with great love, they cease to be small. Holiness does not consist in this or that practice. It consists in a disposition of heart, which makes us humble and little in the arms of God, conscious of our weakness, and confident to the point of audacity in the goodness of the Father. Sanctity is to recognize our nothingness, to expect everything from God, as a little child expects everything from her father. It is to be disquieted about nothing and not to be set on gaining our living. Therese explained the little way to her sister and it became part of her autobiography, The Story of a Soul. In contrast to the big way of heroic perfectionism, Therese says, in essence, I know when I am a little one, I almost draw God's love toward me. God has to love me and help me because I can't do anything by myself. So I bring to God not my perfection, but my imperfection. And then with utter confidence, she says, I know God comes rushing toward me. In the parable, Jesus says that when the servant has finished a day's work in the fields, no master would say to that servant, come here and take your place at table and eat. And yet, that's exactly what the Lord does for us. At every Eucharist, the Lord says to us, Come, 
Take your place at my table. Here is the bread of life for you. Here is the cup of my blood poured out for you. Jesus has promised that we will sit at his banquet table in the kingdom of God. It's not something we have to earn. It's not something we can earn. We don't have to show a prophet to get there. All we have to do is what is put before us to do every day.